With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Housing Wire Weekly News Podcast. My name is Jacob Gaffney. I'm the editor-in-chief of Housing Wire. I'm joined by Caroline, our online Hi. editor, and Kelsey, our online reporter. Hey, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. There are several big issues happening this week in the mortgage finance news space. Most notably, the big traffic going to our site right now is about the TRID update. While it was not unexpected, it's still drawn a lot of readers. Why is that, Kelsey? Yeah, so this CFPB just issued its final amendment to uh, what's been, what the mortgage industry has taken to call in the black hole in the no mm -hmm. before you owe rule. So this black hole, as they call it, is the final four days before you close on a home where the mortgage industry is not allowed to issue another closing disclosure. So what that's been doing is it's ended up making the lenders eat any costs for any changes that, that happened during that time, huh. even if it's a borrower uh, requested change that happens because they're not allowed to. There's, uh, there's a lot of confusion about the circumstances in which they're allowed to issue a new closing disclosure. So that's been fixed. They've updated that and provided a lot more clarity surrounding that. Uh, they've issued, and you know, we talk about it on our side, there's six different reasons why you can issue a new closing disclosure within those four days, but lenders are most definitely allowed to issue a new closing disclosure during that time now. Okay. Well, that's great. That's good to hear. I'm glad things are going as well as could be, uh, you know, expected with the uh, CFPB and all the transitions there at the top. Um, another thing that we want to talk about moving quickly into is gross domestic product that the GDP numbers are out this morning. Kelsey wrote that up for us today. It's on the site. Thank you so much. Uh, and as noted by Kelsey in her coverage, the GDP was a disappointment shrinking in the first quarter, despite recent tax cuts passed at the end of the year. So I know that I, for one, was looking forward to those tax cuts and uh, was expecting a little bit more of my paycheck. Didn't really get it, but overall, Real GDP increased the annual rate of 2.3% in the first quarter. This is coming from uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis that provides this information, which Kelsey regularly covers. And uh, the bad news is, is that the annual rate is down from the fourth quarter increase of 2.9%, but still not where we had hoped things were going, still not where we hoped things would be with the tax cuts. Uh, Kelsey, can you give us a little bit more information about why uh, these numbers continue to disappoint yeah so there's been uh, actually a little bit of disagreement about this but um, a okay. lot of economists were actually expecting the tax cuts to have an immediate effect on GDP right um, and they thought that it would was going to shoot up in the first quarter um, immediately following the, the passage of the tax reform but some economists are actually saying no this is a longer play thing we got to wait till you know closer to 2020 that's when we're going to start to really see that uh, come into play. Uh, the chief economist 
commentator for the Wall Street Journal uh, puts it like this. He says, bottom line, Trump promised 3% sustained supply sided growth. A demand-driven burst lasting from 2017 to 2019 doesn't qualify. It will be a while before we know if the U.S. got the former, not just the latter. So basically, I think right now we're kind of playing the wait and see game with this. Okay. So well, that's tough. Well, so what is what is what is that actually? What what's pulling down GDP? What what are some things that we are seeing that aren't reaching their potential, and what's holding us back in the short term? Uh, you mentioned the long term goal of the tax cuts, but what about in the short term? Yeah, so we're actually, that's interesting that, that you would say that the National Association of Realtors mentioned that we're actually in a major housing crisis is what they're calling it, saying that the lack of home sales is keeping uh, GDP down and that if we don't change this soon, we're, we're going to be facing a major crisis. They say the only way to fix this is new construction. So mm-hmm. that means training more people, uh, getting more people into the construction industry, and, and then cre- just creating those homes so that we have the supply side there for, for people to buy. And until we get that fixed, we're going to remain in this in this housing crisis is, is coming from NAR. Yeah, and I, I can't help but agree with them in the conversations I've had in a podcast earlier in my podcast in the Winter Circle, speaking to Quicken Loans, you know, they, they originate mortgages they're looking to originate more mortgages they can't do that if there aren't more homes to purchase with the product so i i I think that nar is onto something with the ongoing housing crisis that's terrible in terms of the construction though it's it's hard to agree that there's an easy fix there to be honest kelsey i've seen reports that there's no lack of training like you mentioned i've also seen reports that the national opioid crisis is weighing heavily on the ranks there. And of course, there's issue of immigration and immigrants traditionally filled a huge part in the construction of homes in the industry. And that is uh, generally going down. So I agree that there's sort of a perfect storm where of a housing crisis that will not look to improve anytime soon. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I think that construction is not a one solution fix. I think there's a lot of different factors coming into play here. And, um, we need to start looking at all of them, honestly. And Caroline, go ahead and jump in here because I know you have been researching the rising interest rate environment and how that may impact you know, the, the mortgage market as a whole. So here we are, we're faced with lower GDP. We're faced with what NAR is calling an ongoing housing crisis. So there's not enough homes to buy are we going to see people still buying homes if buying borrowing for those homes keeps getting more expensive? I guess what I'm asking is if rising interest rates will harm or will they help the mortgage market? Well, with the trend, like, I think that there's a, a bit of both, but I also think that, you know, people still, people still need homes to purchase. So inventory is a large slice of it, but as Kelsey said, it's not the only slice of it. Mm -hmm. I don't think, and I I was reading a report from Capital Economics this morning, and they said that great expectations won't necessarily solve the lack of inventory, but it is a key reason why home purchase applications are so low right now. Um, One one thing that they had touched on in their note was that the, um, with the 10-year treasury yield finally reaching 3% earlier this week, um, it's set to put push the 30-year rate over 4.8%, um, which is like a, I believe they said it was a seven-year high. Um, it, 
will impact refis, but as far as uh, – it will impact refis with, like, an immediate downward trend, which mm-hmm. will eventually phase off. But um, changing mortgage rates, they said, necessarily won't have an immediate effect on purchase demand. And because it's just one one factor um, considering purchase demand, like, like they said, inventory is another one of those factors. So I think – I think that maybe um, the rising costs of buying a home with mm-hmm. coupled with interest rates and um, low inventory will force uh, some home buyers to like rush in to lock in a rate sooner okay. rather than later. But at the same time, it may not have a greater impact overall because it's the the applications themselves are are still relatively low. And I think that you know there there will be a point where two roads will meet and it won't be pretty in the sense that if you take a look at those who are in charge of raising interest rates with the federal open market committee, if you take a look at those individuals who make those decisions, who sit on those boards, you know, they're pretty old. Um, Mm -hmm. They'll sit there and say, Oh, 4% mortgage, 5% mortgage, 6%. That's nothing. You know, when I bought a house back in the eighties, it was a 13 percent mortgage you know this is not a this is not a high mortgage rate if you balance that with the tens of millions of millennials that have never even seen a mortgage in their life they're gonna see that it's getting costlier like you said caroline they're gonna see that it's getting more expensive there's a reason that they're not entering the housing market in mass and it's not because of the lack of homes i refuse to believe that there's you know economic totally economic reason for why millennials aren't buying more homes. And I think it's just a larger issue of access. I think it's access that's needed to mortgages. It's understanding that a four to 5% mortgage is actually pretty good, that you need good credit to get that kind of interest rate. And I think that there's more education needed in the market as a whole to sustain and improve the originations that we're seeing now. On the other hand, in other big news, Freddie Mac just launched, well, well, rather expanded a new mortgage product that could potentially compete with the FHA, or so I'm led to believe, but that might necessarily be the case, right, Kelsey? Yeah, so Freddie Mac uh, had their 3% down program, which FHFA Director Mel Watt told Congress last year is growing along with Fannie Mae's uh, 3% program, so they were... They were growing and they were and they were doing good, but now it's about to supercharge that program. Okay. Um, what does that mean? Well, it's it's making changes to the program that's going to make a lot more people qualify for mm-hmm. for this mortgage, and uh, mm-hmm. it's not going to necessarily allow more people onto the market, but it might make more mortgages affordable to more people. Got it. Um, so you will. The difference between their old 3% down and this new one, which they're calling Home One, is that the new one has no geographic or income restrictions. Okay. So whereas the previous one was kind of catered towards, uh, <clears throat> was catered towards a, a more specific group of people, this one's going to allow a lot more people into their program, and it will put them in direct competition with the FHA. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't then, sound then, like it's necessarily you know, a, a competitive product with the FHA. It sounds like it's just an expansion of their current client base and target group with this product. It is, 
is an expansion of the client base in, in this product, but I, I would actually have to disagree. It is in direct competition with the FHA. Okay. And this, this might be a lot more affordable uh, for, for people that meet their requirements. And uh, it, it also, the, one of the key criticisms of the FHA is that it doesn't take off their mortgage insurance requirement even after you surpass the 20% uh, equity level. Whereas if you get a conventional loan, we, we know once you pass about 20%, the mortgage insurance falls off. That's going to be a major uh, turning. That's going to be a major competitive point for this product. Um, especially when, when you look at mortgage insurance prices. Well, I think, you know, time, time will tell to see how well it upticks. Um, particularly interested to see the way in which Freddie Mac is going to market this particular product. You know, the FHA is a pretty well established name in the industry and Freddie Mac is moving in to try to take some market share from them. So I'd be interested to see how Freddie Mac goes about getting this information out and how they connect uh, through the various mortgage lending networks. Um, and, uh, and hopefully we'll get someone from Freddie Mac to talk to us a little bit more about that. But in the meantime, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up our weekly newscast. I want to thank our online reporter, Kelsey, for joining us. And I want to thank, thank you, Kelsey. And I want to thank Caroline, our online editor, for joining us as well. Thanks, Jacob. Okay. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah, you too. Bye.